Hello, welcome to Talking Talk, a podcast for the MediaBias.com. We're going to be uh, talking about what we've been watching, playing this week, and uh, do a little breezy on the streets at the end of our news segment. Introduce us. We are Sans David today, but uh, I'm TJ and I'm joined by Chris. Here we are now, introduce us. <laughs> and... Brent, who really <laughs> wants to be introduced tonight for some reason. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, yeah, so watch list. We'll get things rolling as we always do. Anybody want to jump on in? I'll go first. Do it. Because <laughs> TJ made me a promise <laughs> that I'm trying to avoid. Um, <clears throat> I watched not, not a full six movies. Uh, I'm in the middle of one. <laughs> but I want to start talking about it. Um, well, well, it'll make sense because unintentionally this week, the movies I've watched all have a theme, and I didn't know that going into it for evil, each movie. Evil cats. In no, every movie. it's uh, every movie that I watched this week and deals with the protagonist struggles with like identity and agency. Including, and we'll talk about it um, next week, but uh, like, you know, Into the Wild is really about identity and agency. Um, <laughs> and the one I'll start out with is the one that is the one that people least want to hear about. <laughs> I watched Smurfs The Lost Village, which is a quick plot synopsis. Uh, Take your time. <laughs> I never saw the first one. <laughs> It's uh, all about uh, Smurfette struggling with the fact that she's made of clay and not a real Smurf. Mm. Um, what kind of clay? Uh, it is molding clay, and then Gargamel's spell turns into an evil Smurf, but then Papa's magic turns into something like a regular Smurf. Um, it's not a good movie. Uh, it's no surprise. <laughs> but is Smurfette Katy Perry? Smurfette is uh, Demi Lovato. Was it I Katy Perry in the first it one? It was Katy okay. Perry in the first one. Um, but the, the main characters in this one are... Hefty, uh, <laughs> brainy, and clumsy, um, which outcast dwarfs. Yeah. What, are, what are they like? <laughs> Describe them. It really irritated me with with Hefty because I thought it's like they really wanted to get the Rock to play Hefty, but they didn't. So they settled for like the low man's Rock, which is Joe Manganiello. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the other two were perfectly cast. Clumsy is um, Kenneth. Uh, Brown. Brown. <laughs> so clumsy. <laughs> Why am I forgetting? It's Thirty Rock Kenneth, right? Yeah, Jack McBrayer. Yeah, Jack McBrayer. Uh, he's, and, from, uh, he's from not far from here. Yeah, and and Brainy is uh, Danny Pudi. So those are those are well cast voice actors. Is he's that? Abed Community. from Community. Okay. So those are well cast. Um, Rain Wilson plays Gargamel, which is a forgettable live action, right? No, it's all animated. I thought it was live action in the that's, first one. The Gargamel was. That's the. Uh, it could have been. No idea. I never saw the first one either. I thought that MPH played Gargamel in the first one. Um, but I could be mistaken. <laughs> and then Mandy Patinkin as Papa Smurf, which is just great. He's oh, got nice. a nice grizzly voice for it. Yeah. But it's not very good. It's about the Smurfs finding out that there's a whole village of other natural Smurfs that are all women. Or lady Smurfs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Amazonian yeah. Smurfs. <laughs> Did things get sexy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, Ellie Kemper is the funniest part in it. She plays like an overeager Smurf lady who is uh, really excited about meeting Smurfette and making a new best friend. And it's just Ellie Kemper. Her energy is always great in movies. I also saw an Ellie Kemper movie last week. Nice. Anyway. Well, we're going to wait your fucking turn. I know, I will. 
Um, <clears throat> you want to finish running down the live action thing? I think that parts of the first Smurfs movie were live action, but most of it was animated. Is, yeah, because it looks like... Uh, um, yeah, it was live action. It was Hank Azaria. Okay. It was Gargamel, and he was live action. Okay. In the 2011 Smurfs. Okay. Which, is this a... Is this a sequel, or is it just like another Smurfs movie? Or does it matter? Probably I don't think it matters. Yeah. It's a sequel in the sense that it's another Smurfs movie. Right. Are you okay? Do I need to no, turn the air on or anything? I'm okay. fine. Uh, the next movie on my list that I Hold watched... On. Do you recommend watching the Smurfs Stolen no. Village? <laughs> no. I will, I will bookend it by saying it's not a good movie. Um, it's probably good for kids. I don't have kids. I watched it because I was, you know, up late working at like 12.30 in the morning, and I was like, ooh, you're exactly 90 minutes. And so I put it on. Nice. Uh, another movie that I, that I was surprised that I liked, um, movie came out, or was released... Um, on Netflix, Netflix original uh, called Burning Sands. I've seen it, clicking ne- through, but never watched it. Never heard of it. It is about a pledge class to a black fraternity in Virginia. And uh, the story beats go as you'd expect um, in a movie about hazing and about Hell Week. Um, surprisingly good. Um, not like you know, phenomenal movie, go out and see it. And I'm sure that a lot of it's lost on me as being like, you know, a white boy who avoided Greek culture as much as I could. Right. But Like the opposite of... Yeah. Yeah. But it's really good. Uh, the main character is a guy who's... Um, his best friend gets kicked out in the first like couple minutes to save him from getting like beaten for not uh, doing the call and response on the first day of Hell Week well. He like dives down on the ground to stop him from getting kicked in the ribs again. Um, so the main character is the one who's protected from that. Um, and he kind of grapples with like dropping out, but the Dean who he's friends with was a member. Um, and I don't know. It was just, it surprised me, you know, lots of times when you've got, and this is the unfortunate thing. Lots of times when you've got a movie that is a solely black cast that is set in university, it can run afoul of so many black stereotypes. Um, but I really couldn't recognize any. Um, <clears throat> it's got the kid from uh, Dear White People, the uh, nerdy black kid from Dear White People. I never. Neither of you guys saw it? Uh, it was you and David, I think. But he's really good. But it's all about like this guy's pledge line. I guess they, they call it your line. Like your it's, class? Yeah, it's, well, it's just five of them. Oh, okay. Um, and they all have to do everything together. They all have to be everywhere together. If one gets punished, they all get punished and face the same punishment. You know, one of them is a legacy. One of them is pledging because without being in this frat, his college life will suck. One of them is just doing it because he wants to be a doctor and thinks the connections are good. Like, like all of your typical reasons for joining a fraternity. Um, but, like, amplified because, you know, black fraternities have such a history of being um, more exclusive and and... I don't know if more intense is appropriate, but for this one, it's super intense because it's like the black fraternity on campus. There's two, and this is like the one. So it's, you know, f- scenes where people are getting branded. Um, and I don't know if you saw, or either of you saw around UGA, people with the Omega brands. Yeah. But. No. This is Lambda Lambda Phi, a fictional fraternity. And there's a couple, there's, there's a scene where someone gets branded and it's just, ugh. Frat life. This reinforced that, like frat life was something that I was like thumbs up that I avoided. Yeah, but it's good. 
I'm surprised. Burning Sands. It reminds me, I watched the first 10 minutes of a movie that I want to watch and have on a watch list eventually, but it's called Dope. Yeah. It would look really good for the first 15, 20 minutes. I think I've seen Dope. It's uh, like Black Nerds yes. and Inglewood. Great movie. Yeah, it looked fantastic. It's really good. I loved at the beginning they were just talking about the reason it got hooked and I was like, I need to stop when I'm not you know, tipsy and doing other shit. And uh, actually set aside and watch this movie. It was like, we get picked on by black people in Inglewood for doing white people shit like this. And it was like, play Dungeons and Dragons. Listen to the TV on the radio. <laughs> like, this is all the white people shit we do. I think it's Zoe Kravitz who's in that movie and she has a phenomenal scene where she uh, is like I uh, forget exactly what drug she's taken but she trips the fuck out and mm. nice fantastic. Uh, the, guy, the main character writes his uh, Harvard essay on uh, a statistical analysis of Ice Cube's good day <laughs> I was like oh yeah I'll watch this movie later anyway you got three and a half movies left Four and a half. So then, the, the next one, and I would recommend Burning Sands, for sure. Nice. Um, it's a Netflix original, and it's just, it's, I mean, it's not enjoyable. It's one that makes, like, you, like, it's suspenseful without being any kind of, like, thriller movie. Just because you know the moment anything is fucked up, they're going to get punished for it. Um, and just, you know, it's, it's an obvious call to action for the degradation that is inherent in Greek society. Um, but... You know, I'm not going to be able to do anything about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, another movie that fits this theme that I saw was uh, uh, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, with a very special contractually obligated mention of Tony Clifton. <laughs> I'm so excited. I shared the trailer for this on the Movies Buzz a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, Jim Carrey is just electric. So what's it about? Run it down again in case... Yeah. Because it's not getting a lot of love on Netflix on there, like, pop it up when you turn it on. Well, ads. it, it kind of makes sense because it's a it's a Vice documentary. So, it didn't originate within the bowels of the Netflix hype machine. Right. Um, but it is... So, when a movie is being filmed for a short period of time, or for, like, sh- short periods of time, a camera crew is always invited... To do some behind the scenes stuff. It's called EKP. And the only way that Jim Carrey would agree to having the EKP was because uh, Andy Kaufman's wife is a documentarian. And his and her best friend is a director. As he insisted that during the filming of Man on the Moon that they would cover all of it. Not a short package, but all of it. And then for the EKP they would just pick like, you know... Little bits and pieces. And Universal, for the past 20 years, has denied them the ability to release any of it. Um, until recently. So, this is kind of chronicling <clears throat> Jim Carrey's method style of inhabiting not only Andy Kaufman, but also Tony Clifton, and also Latka, and whoever Andy Kaufman... Whoever the scene in Man of the Moon... Man on the Moon called for was who Jim Carrey embodied, mm-hmm. and just got Andy Kaufman staying right. He was like never Andy Kaufman. Yeah, and it gets into some interesting stuff with that, specifically with the Jerry Lawler bits, mm-hmm. um, because Jerry Lawler, um, I, I I was too young, but around the time this movie was filmed, there was controversy because Jerry Lawler during the filming of Man on the Moon hospitalized Jim Carrey. 
Mm-hmm. Similarly to you know the Andy Kaufman uh, Jerry Lawler, right? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, because Jim Carrey, throughout this whole thing, um, you know, it's a it's an interview with like bits and pieces interjected from the EKP footage. <clears throat> um, he he, his whole mantra was, "What would Andy do? What would Andy do? What would Andy do?" And it was basically never let up. Mm-hmm. Um, was always his conclusion. And even with Jerry Lawler, which at a certain point, Jerry Lawler goes like, I was friends with Andy. Like, as soon as the cameras were off, Andy and I were discussing, like, oh, did that go well? Like, what could we do better if we appear together again? Like, he was a pallbearer at the yeah. funeral. Yeah, they were, they were really good close. friends yeah. and really resented Jim Carrey for being full-on troll Andy Kaufman the whole time. Um, so it kind of comes into conflict with that. But It's interesting because I feel like that's so Andy Kaufman, though. When did Kaufman die? Uh, eighty something. Yeah, eighty-eight. Yeah, maybe. Carry did Carry ever know him? Did he ever meet him? Did no, it was up? just like his idol. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know like Carry came up in the early eighties. So I didn't. Yeah, know I don't he... think so. Uh, and I don't think many people would have and would have liked him. Like, or that Kaufman would have opened up enough to let's, or would have been real with him. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean, right. he's uh, such a. I was just curious. Yeah. He was such a such a presence. Um. They do a really great job. Like the first half hour is just kind of talking about Kaufman's style. Um, Even that's like, yeah, you but, can spend thirty minutes talking about it. Cause yeah, it's so much shit. Um, but it's really good. I would recommend it. If this movie, I, you know, I haven't, I don't know the pool of documentary movies, but if this doesn't like scratch that, like I would be so unimpressed. Um, it, this is phenomenal, um, and it's just, it's just a walk down memory lane of archival footage for Jim Carrey. Like it's, it looks like it was shot in an afternoon where Jim Carrey just sat in front of a camera with a vice documentarian and just talked for hours, which, you know, he's just, he's just a vessel of information and he's, he's an intelligent guy. Um, and is coming at it from a perspective of being critical of the Hollywood lens <clears throat> which yeah, I think yeah. is especially poignant today. Um, yeah. I had read some a couple of years ago where the director has like had conversations with him. I don't know. They probably show some of the movie where he's like, Jim, they're going to quit. Yeah. Like, we're not going to finish the movie if you keep being an asshole. Yeah. And, and, and he just like never broke character. Apparently it was just like, there's stay in Tony Clifton dick mode. There, there's a point where there's a breakdown, and this isn't a spoiler. I mean, it's not. This doesn't give it away, but where uh, Jim Carrey retells an account where um, the director, who directed One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, um, pulled a called Jim Carrey at his home and was like, "We need to meet, have dinner at my house. We need to talk about Tony and Andy." And Jim Carrey responded with, "Well, what's the problem?" He's like, well, I don't think that this movie's ever going to get made if Tony and Andy refuse to cooperate and film this movie. And Jim said, well, I do a really great Andy Kaufman and Tony Clifton impression. So if you want to, you can fire them and I'll just do an impression. So like was completely on board with the Andy Kaufman shtick or lifestyle, whichever one it is. Right. Um, but it's really good. I would recommend yeah, it. I'm came super out excited. came out the date that we're recording. So yeah. Um, my favorite Andy Kaufman story still is the Lauren Michaels gave him one skit on SNL, and they were going to vote, and that's when he did the 
Mighty Mouse lip yeah. sync. That was his like brilliant idea. It was just a And that is the by far the funniest moment of the first episode of SNL. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. The rest of that episode sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's great. So that's it for my theme of identity politics. Um, uh, but, what else did you watch? So I watched the Lego Batman movie. Yay! We all so watched that. Let's talk about it. Yeah. That's the other. That's the Ellie Kemper movie I watched. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's great as the brick. Yeah, as, that's it. Uh, Joanna? I think it's Joanna. I remember. I forget. I liked it. Me too. It was, it was great. I did not expect to like it that much because uh, the Lego movie just created this this eclipse over anything that could have followed it. And Lego Batman, I didn't I didn't start it thinking I would like it. And Batman's the worst part of the Lego movie. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I thought, well, I guess by the time I had watched it, I'd, I'd heard enough good things about it. That like David was effusive with mm-hmm. his praise. Yeah, that so, was months ago. Yeah. Um, I didn't know if that had to do with David's Lego obsession. Now, <laughs> um, but yeah, I did. I, I really liked it. There are just so many jokes and so many good ones. Oh yeah, it entertained me. Even though I honestly couldn't even tell you the story right now. I don't even know what the plot was, but it was just enough. The plot was fun. It was, it was good. Yeah. I'm not saying it was bad. It's just not memorable to me. But, but the jokes were enough. See, it was super memorable to me because I love the unconventional love story, the reverse love story between him and the Joker. Yeah, it was great. Um, <clears throat> that was like, it It was heartbreaking when he told the Joker, like, you mean nothing to me? Yeah, it was. Yeah. In the in that long scene, the Joker's, defusing the bomb. I'll just come out and say it. I hate you, Batman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Um, that was really good. Uh, really funny. Um, the hilarious voice cast, like weirdly cast. Yeah. Um, I looked afterwards. I think this is like Conan O'Brien's first like movie role <laughs> since uh, the the South Park movie. Nice. Um, this Doug, is, Doug Benson as Bane. Yeah, Doug Benson as Bane. So they've got the old like cartoon Bane, the old comic Bane, but with Doug doing an impression of Tom Hardy. Bane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um, it's got uh, Garfunkel and Oates both doing uh, roles. Yeah. Uh, Kate Micucci is Clayface, who has a surprisingly feminine voice. Yeah. Uh, and I forget which uh, who Ricky Lindholm was, but it's just like it looks. Billy D. Williams as Two Face. Yeah, who's fantastic, reprising his role from the 1989 that <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, I loved uh, Voldemort casting a spell on uh, Alfred too, <laughs> and Alfred being like, "What?" He's like, what? Nothing. <laughs> this is Ralph voiced Alfred. Yeah. Ray Fiennes. Sorry. Yeah. And then Eddie Izzard. <clears throat> yeah, and Eddie Izzard voiced the Lego Voldemort. Yeah. That's <laughs> just funny. The jokes about the old, the phases Batman had gone through were really amazing. Clever. Yeah. I thought that was the funniest part of the movie. Yeah. It's like, like, and, and we don't even want to talk about that weird time in the 60s. And they just, they didn't even have like a Lego version. They just cut the actual footage of Adam West dancing. <laughs> yeah. Dancing around. Um, but I, I, I really liked, especially like the, the Dick Grayson orphan jokes. <laughs> um, you know, the, like, oh, well, I got to ask my dad for permission. I've got two dads. <laughs> so at the end being like, my two dads are one dads. <laughs> I don't know. It was just really fun. Michael Sarah voices Robin, which is funny. Yeah, it was good. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just 
Lego, the Lego movies are just great. It makes me really look forward to seeing a Lego Ninjago movie, which I had even less interest in yeah. seeing than Lego Batman. <laughs> Same. Um, but it is getting similar praise. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I'm along for the ride. Anything that... They did a good job of capturing the writing of the... Two of the two dudes who wrote Lego movie? Can't remember their name. Chris Lord and yeah. something Miller. It felt like it was written by them. Phil Miller? Uh, the Batman movie did. Yeah. Um, same joke, same pacing. It was good. Yep. Yeah, and, and I like that they even kept it like universe tied with the Master Builder stuff. Yeah, um, it makes me kind of look forward to when they come back together, Avengers style, which may never happen, but if it does, it'd be awesome. Yes, yeah. you know, because the first Lego movie is basically the Avengers without knowing any backstories behind any of the characters. Right. But you know, I like that they stuck with the Master Builder stuff. I'm not sure if the games do that. I don't think they do, but. <clears throat> um, oh, that was great. Yeah, definitely recommend it. It's a quick, hilarious watch. Um, I'll, I'll quickly say <clears throat> uh, three things that I'm partway through. Um, almost done with MasterChef. I'm finishing up season six. Uh, it's just a great reality show, but that's all there is to say about it. It's um, it, it's it's less clearly produced now because um, they omitted uh, the audition stage, but the audition stage was my favorite. Um, <clears throat> cool. Uh, I'm halfway through a movie, Shot Caller, which is another of my quests to see if Game of Thrones actors can act. Another Nikolai Coster Waldau movie, the one that actually got me to watch Small Crimes. Um, it's Nikolai Coster Waldau is arrested for uh, vehicular manslaughter um, and ends up joining a gang to get by and then ends up rising to the top of that gang of white supremacist Nazis. Um, so far, way better than Small Crimes. Nice. That's good. <clears throat> um, and then uh, we just watched the first episode of uh, Netflix's The Punisher. Um, John Barenthal. How was the pilot? Really good. Cool. Um, <clears throat> they It picks up maybe three to six months where after um, Daredevil Season 2. Okay. So it's, you know, Frank Castle has finished his business against um, all the people who wronged him and killed his family. And it's now kind of like the next story in his life, um, which is him trying to settle back into uh, regular personhood and like every cliche superhero story about someone who tries to retire, there's another hook that's trying to pull him back into it. So, so far so good. Can't wait to watch more Punisher. And then the last movie that I watched, which might segue into the next person, was Valyrian, House of a Thousand Corpses. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's a review on the uh, website went up uh, Thursday last week <sighs> Valyrian is so bad was it favorable the review it was not <laughs> so you told people not to put it on their watch list yes good, good for you I didn't read it so I put it on my watch list <laughs> yeah um, but I watched it and Cara Delevingne is I liked Paper Towns. She can act in that. She's not a bad actress. But she was bad in Suicide Squad. And oh man, she was bad in this. Uh, Dane DeHaan. She's better than him though. Is wooden. (laughs) He is. like I I made a joke on our Slack thread. But the best analogy I can think of is Hayden Panettiere and Natalie Portman. We're going to sound so professional talking about our Slack Slack. Slack thread. I was like, man, we sound like the podcast I listen to. (laughs) Um, But yeah, they're so bad. 
What about uh, the cameo of uh, Ethan Hawke's character? Oh. What the fuck was that? Or Rihanna. She was bad. Yeah, she was awful. A paragraph in the... In the I, I shouldn't just read my article on the podcast. No, let's do it. It was, it was really good because it said, uh, like, oh, this character could have been interesting. Instead, they chose to have her be played by Rihanna. <laughs> <laughs> She's so bad. You know, the shape-shifting goo monster who can learn all your memories by finger-fucking your brain. Um... I, I liked the universe. I thought that the intro, I was like, holy shit, this, this is a promising story. I gave it two and a half stars because it was it was visually beautiful. I love Because it's Luc Besson. Yeah. But. I, I love that montage in the beginning, though. Like, cultures coming together to create the International Space Station. And then more people, and then more people, and then more people as, like, time went on in human history. And then, like, first alien contact. And it's just adding. It turns into, you know... Uh, in the comics called Galaxity um, and it's just this city where just these space hulks just joined to the International Space Station and created this floating metropolis that's such a cool idea and it makes sense that it was from 1962 from a French comic because it, like, that's that has to be the movie that you make yeah um, but they great, they, great they, idea. they squander the shit out of it horrible cast it's always a horrible execution Especially so good. I think we should say they dark towered it. That's how I just want to refer. Sure, this is worse though because in no universe should these people be cast as these characters, right? If you made a great dark tower movie and you cast Matthew McConaughey as Men in Black, that could have been great. That could have been great if the the script was good. And here's the thing: doing doing a little bit of reading about the characters. You know, this is an old comic, and in the original French comic, and I, I hate to be the guy that does this, and I'm not doing it because I'm a fan of it. I'm just saying for. To show how much they didn't give a shit about the source material, the character Valerian is a like basically like a time cop. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> he goes something goes on a mission, something goes wrong in the comics, and winds up in 1000 AD France. And this peasant woman, Loreline, 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 Loreline—I don't know what it's it is. Line, um, like sees him, and based on their code. If someone is exposed to this future technology, you've got to bring them to the future with you. Uh-huh. So the whole idea is that like these two are literally star-crossed lovers who've been together forever. And this movie doesn't pick up at any point where they're developing that relationship. It starts with a marriage proposal that she rebuffs for but no... you don't know how long they know each other. They don't sell any of that. Right. So there's... And there's, there's nothing to establish that that was a shrewd or utilitarian move by her. It's just like, oh, maybe he's as big of a womanizer as they say in the you know first minute of the movie, but never fucking reference ever again. Um, or maybe she's just all business, no fun, um, but it's clear throughout the movie that she's... Even- yeah, not that character. Yeah. Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen the two and a half month old movie, don't fucking watch it. Don't watch it. But uh, Clavo and who is revealed in like a somewhat twist ending to be the bad guy at the end. The very first time you see him, they're like, "We're here to protect you. We'll hold on to that." And it's like, I mean, the equivalent of this like magic briefcase that's got some important shit in it. Yeah, and they're just like, "Like we'll hold, we'll we'll hold on to that." And he's like, "Oh, that's not necessary." And it's like, "Well, he's bad." Not only that, but he figured that out quick. He he covets it in such a way that only a bad guy can covet the MacGuffin. That being said, the overall story is fine. 
I like the idea of it's okay. It's been done. Well, the thing that I really like about it is it's 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 all centers around this race of people who incidentally can create um, and destroy world economies because they have a system to duplicate things. Hmm. Um, but they are a uh, somewhat tribal, somewhat civilized group of people who live on a remote planet. And it just so happens that a war happened right outside their planet and basically nuked and destroyed Alderaan to their planet. Oh, yeah. And it's about the refugees from that planet trying to like covert black ops their way um, around government officials, around criminal enterprises, and reestablish themselves um, somewhere else in the universe. Which, like, I like that. That's that is a that's a fun story. And then if they would have had better actors to play the, you know, I'm the loving, gentle, caring uh, bureaucrat, and I'm the no nonsense soldier who has to accompany you. You know, that's. That could be effective. Yeah, what was with the ending? With the uh, with all of a sudden, be- Dane DeHaan's like, "I'm a soldier." Yeah, we I can't break rules. You've been doing it the whole fucking movie. Yeah, you you broke rules the moment that That's you all had the opportunity. Seen you do. Yeah, Jesus, it just made no sense. And I'm a big proponent of like breaking reality when you go see a movie yeah. and like taking the story as it is. But it was just hard to get through. But they, yeah, bad. they used his. Willingness to break rules as a mood setter, as a as as a tone, as like okay, these two are the best because they're kind of rebellious, but they still get the job done. They do whatever's necessary, and they're great agents for it. And then the moment that he has the opportunity to do the right thing by being a renegade and you know righting the wrongs, but still being on the right side of the law, he just like refuses, but only verbally, and takes zero action to commit to. His recently found righteousness towards like bureaucracy and you know red tape made no sense. It's just a, such a throwaway bit. Yeah. But anyway, that's Valyrian. City of a thousand planets is what the actual title is. Yes, not uh, land of a thousand dances <laughs> or house of a thousand corpses. <laughs> One, two, three. Well, <laughs> anyway, that's what I watched this week. I know it went kind of long, but. That's watch. okay. You it covered all... two of the things that we were going to talk about. So. Yeah, and I actually don't have that much because uh, Lego Batman movie we've covered, Valyrian we've covered, End of the Wild we're saving yeah, pretty much. tabling for, it for next week. Um, one is our automatic talk of fame, our first. That's going to happen later in the week as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just leaves four movies, and one of them had a pretty long <laughs> review. So you may sound like you're going to be like, that leaves one movie. Yeah, that leaves four. <laughs> and I think they're all, they're almost all three out of the four 2017 movies, too. Uh, so I went and saw Murder on the Orient Express, the oh, Kenneth nice. Branagh film. I want to hear about that. Put a review up online too. Check that out. But, oh, uh, I want to hear your words with your mouth about it. Yeah, it was, it was good. It's fine. It's as good as that story is. If you've read it or know anything about it, I don't. I don't. Uh, so, um, Hercule Poirot is Agatha Christie's Sherlock Holmes, pretty mm-hmm. much, uh, world's greatest detective in that universe. He is solving a crime in Turkey, and. Uh, his buddy puts him on a train he owns to get him back to London uh, that's sold out with 11 other people. One of them dies, uh, murdered in the compartment next to him, and he spends the whole movie interviewing people once the train is stopped by Avalanche. 
Is it? Is it trying just to figure a, out who done it? Yep. Fun. I love a good who done it. It's Agatha Christie. It's like the original who done it. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, didn't want him to like mess with that too much. I because I really don't know who done it. So uh, yeah, no, the story is great. And if you don't know that story, you should check it out. Uh, Daisy Ridley is really good, which was nice. Good. Probably the best uh, sporting uh, actor there. Johnny Depp was fine. He plays the the murder victim. Uh, good. Get him off the fucking screen ASAP. <laughs> he was good. And I'm, I'm actually, I saw something with him. I'm excited for his Grindelwald. I don't know why. Yeah, we'll talk about that on Breezy probably. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, Willem Dafoe, Penelope Cruz, Judy Dench. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. Is Javier Bardem is in it, right? No. no. You think of Josh Gad. Josh Gad, yeah. Josh yeah. Gad is in it. <laughs> they're, they're often confused. Gael <laughs> yes. Garcia Bernal is in it, right? Nope. Also Josh Gad. <laughs> You're thinking of Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> who's, who's the Spanish guy in it? There's not a famous one. I don't want to look any details up about this movie, because I know that if I Google it, I might run afoul of it being like, yeah. hey, here's the ending. You couldn't read the ending in one, like, blurb. You'd have to be pretty focused to come across it. But if they're like, the Baron is the killer yeah, in, like, the headline. I'm saying it's not. Okay. It can't be that simple. Um, um, but check it out. It's good. If you like Kenneth Branagh, I know a lot of people don't. A lot of uh, maybe snootier people do. He is super honest and faithful to his work. Uh, he did a, all the Shakespeare stuff in the 90s that is, like, to the period, to the script, to the play. And he like, also directed Thor. Yeah, and he directed Thor. Nice. Um, I'm done making noise now. He also played one of the greatest movie villains of all time. Uh, Spider Guy from Wild Wild West. <laughs> Wheelchair Spider Guy. But Danny but, Lewis, I thought. No. <laughs> it's impressed. Daniel Day Lewis, who makes one movie every six years. It's like, mm, Wild Wild West. That's that's the one. <laughs> You're looking for a spider guy. <laughs> hey, you want me to set that somewhere? Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, the can's fucked up, so. Yeah, I get it. If you want to toss it in the sink, it might be the safest place for it. Uh, more movies. The oldest one I watched was from 2015. Um, Doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, that can go on our list. Don't worry. It's a foul. What movie? Uh, Chappie? <laughs> I started watching that. So I can talk the first 30 minutes with you. Here's the problem. Here's what happened with Chappie. It is not nearly as good as District 9. Right. Or uh, what's Neil Blomkamp's other... He did one more. I don't know. I just know District 9. But um, it certainly tried to be District 9 in the opening. Here, talk about it. I'll look it up. Yeah, look it up. So that movie was advertised as like the next Johnny Five, I feel like. Right. Or or like South African uh Robocop. Elise Elysium. Elysium. Which yeah. Yeah. I didn't love, but it got pretty good reviews, I think. I didn't like it. It was like in the sixties maybe on Rotten Tomato. Mm-hmm. Um anyway. Chappie is not that. It is does try to be District Nine again. Yeah. Gets way closer than Elysium does. Yes. And it's way better than the 40% that it has on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, 31%. 31? Weird for Chappie. I thought it was 81, 61, 41 when I looked earlier today. Uh, 67 for uh, Elysium. Okay. Oh, Elysium. 
It's not very good. That's yeah. according to Wikipedia. Yeah. So. Right, right. Uh, but anyway, Chappie plays a robot. Def Patel is in it, plays a computer programmer who um, makes a League of Scouts, is what they're called, uh, has designed these robots that are uh, taken over the police force in South Africa. And uh, he, through no means of that, develops a way to have a sentient robot, pretty much, and tests it out on a damaged scout. And uh, the scout becomes a baby, essentially. Yeah. uh, That has just endless means of of intake, as far as intelligence goes. Uh, It's really good. Yeah. Oh, and and the, 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 the turn is... Um, the van that Dev Patel is driving to take Chappie to get incinerated after he's run his tests on it gets hijacked by South African criminals, like not like high, you know, high connection criminals, but just like but real bad, but real bad. And uh, they're played by Dear Antwoord. Antwoord. Yeah, and, and they're really good, by the way. Both of them are really good in the movie. I really do think that people didn't like the movie because of Yolandi, because they didn't. She was great. But Yolandi, that's just her. She's that fucking weird. Like, so is a Dianford, yeah, Ninja, whatever his name is. Yeah. Um, I also think a contributing factor to its failure was the uh, trailer, which uh, does like a break dancing hip hop robot, right? I think. And yeah. So, yeah, it's made to be Johnny Five. That's what I'm saying. It's a little, like, look at this fun robot that comes to life, and it's not it at all. Hugh Jackman's the bad guy. I had no idea until I watched that Hugh Jackman's the bad guy. I had no idea Hugh Jackman was fucking in it. Wait, isn't he also in the movie where they fight robots? Robot boxing? Real steel. Same thing, yeah. <laughs> Except one of those is the title. Robot boxing. <laughs> uh, you know that movie, Rock'em Sock'em Robots? <laughs> so yeah, poor casting outside of the South African like grunge hip-hop group. Yeah. And uh, Death Patel's bad name. Bad advertising. Yeah. Well, yeah Death Patel's fine. I said that you should be able to have Death Patel in your movie unless it's hair or shoulder length long. <laughs> This is just not fair <laughs> to make me look at it without all those gorgeous locks. But uh, I would check Chappie out. I really want to see what y'all think about it when you when you get there. Yeah, you were pushing us hard to watch. I really it. wanted somebody to see it before the podcast because I was uh, so surprised at cool. how good it was. Then um, I say so surprised, I gave it four stars. So it's not fantastic. It has issues, but it was good. Uh, I watched Atomic Blonde. Nice. It's a 2017 movie based like, off the 80s graphic novel. Excited to see that. Me too. Yeah, it was uh, really good. Really good. Set at the uh, eve of the Berlin Wall demise. Uh, really good. James McAvoy doing his character from Filth, but not in the movie the entire fucking time, so it's not that bad. <laughs> and, uh, Believable disgust. Uh, Charlie Theron is great as the lead. Uh, also, the movie cheats because it's got John Goodman in it. Nice. Great. Yeah. Although I did just, I don't know if I talked about it at length, but uh, what happens in Venice or Once Upon a Time in Venice, I always fuck up the title, has John Goodman in it. Not and <laughs> if that was their attempt at a cheat code, it was fucking invalid. Nice. But, uh, yeah, Tommy Blonde, um, spa thriller from, you know, 1989, I guess, 1990. It's like a pretty simple, like, like, double cross story, 89. right? Uh, man, it's like double spies, triple spies, quadruple spies. It gets real, real okay. complicated. But, um... So it's like Kingsman the Golden Circle? Yeah. Okay. But with John Goodman <laughs> and better. Uh, Brent just simulated shooting himself in the head. We've got him on watch right now. We're worried. We brought up Kingsman the Golden Circle. Yeah, this, yeah that's true. This is a podcast, so... 
Um, definitely recommend Atomic Blonde though. It is fun. It's kind of John Wickish. Yeah, I was about to say it's the most John Wick movie I've seen since I, John Wick. When I saw the trailers, I thought I was like, "Oh yes, Lady John Wick." Yeah, like it's pretty much what it is. Uh, great, great action scenes, cool. um, tracking shots that are fantastic that last a little time. And Charlie Theron is always as committed to her work, and she does a fantastic job as a convincing badass female spy. She, I mean, she was really good in Aeon Flux, so. <laughs> Well, that movie had nothing to do with it. It didn't suck because of her. No. No. <laughs> was doing for I'm kidding about Aeon Flux. It was bad and she was bad in it. But yeah, I saw... Watch, don't watch Aeon Flux. It's horrible. But I saw a, uh, a a breakdown of the action sequence in the hotel. Does that make sense? Yeah. With the fire hose. There's only like two action scenes. They're like 25 minutes long. But yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is the Russian club. Yeah. Like, it's it's the equivalent to that. And I was I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah, it was... Very good. Highly recommend. Um, I like this new era of action movies we're in mm-hmm. that doesn't treat its audiences like idiots. Yeah, um, me too. You know, I, I, have, I have long thought that Fast and the Furious is in there, and I know that I'm alone in that opinion. It just does with cars what John Wick and uh, Neon Blonde do with people. But, like, Hana, I thought, was especially good in that regard as just a great. high-octane, well-cinema... To graft, cinematographed, cinematographed, cinemogged. <laughs> I don't know what that Filmed. should be. Shot. Filmed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, director shoot, framed, cinematographer shoot. I don't know, but anyway, I thought that Hana was was really good in that regard, and I feel like that set off like a. I don't know if it's like a like Eastern European tinge to it because they all seem to have that influence in there somewhere, whether it's the setting or just the. People involved from direction to production. A, a European feel. Yeah, you're right. But I, 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 if that's the way action movies are going, I am fucking in. Yeah. Um, and the last movie I watched, 2017 movie. I've started my top ten list, and I'm kind of keeping it active for when we do that in January or February, whenever we decide to do it. Uh, best movies of the year, and uh, this movie grab a spot. From my top ten. Pushed out a ghost story, so I'm sure Chris is happy about that. I'm not happy, I'm just, you know, right. <laughs> you dork. Uh, but I watched Wind River. Wind River. <laughs> I knew he was going to fucking do something dumb. <laughs> I know Al's seen it. I haven't heard Hold anything on, about Wind River. Are you done? <laughs> <laughs> not TJ's just being mean. No more beer for you, TJ. <laughs> Uh, what'd you say? Sorry, it was an actual question. <laughs> I know <laughs> Al said <laughs> My question, and this might get a little too deep, but I know Al seen the movie and he liked it. Did you like it? Yeah. <laughs> um, do y'all know anything about this movie? Yeah, I don't. That was my actual question. Taylor, I don't know anything about it. Taylor Sheridan. Yeah, Taylor Sheridan. Sheridan. It's his uh, third in his writing West Western trilogy. Oh, is this uh, like the Hell or High Water guy? Sicario, yeah, Hell or High Water, and this. This probably falls in the middle. I would say Sicario is probably the worst, which is crazy because that movie's so good. I think Sicario's. Well, we also differ on where we put Hell or Hell High, High Water. Water. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. all three five star yeah. movies. I was a huge fan of Hell or High yeah. Water. Um, holy fuck, can that guy write a climax, though, in an ending? He does it again, and it nice. is amazing. That's great. That's um, good to hear. 
Because, I mean, the the tunnel scene in Sicario is one mm-hmm. of the best things I've seen this decade. The shootout. and the, All of the last 30 minutes of that movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Hell or High Water, the last 30 minutes is amazing. That's what I meant, the shootout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and this has this, the same thing. It's a shootout. Um, this is truly a mystery, though. Okay. And, and a whodunit. Cool. Uh, Jeremy Renner plays a... Um, like a, not a game warden. Works for Fish and Wildlife Management. Okay. And Ranger. Wild. Yeah. Uh, and when you do that in Wyoming, apparently most of your job is like hunting mountain lions and coyotes, keeping them away from from livestock. Because there are probably more mountain lions than are people in the state of Wyoming, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like a hundred percent more mountain lions than there are tourists to yeah. Wyoming. Yeah. So he gets called out um, to a local Indian reservation uh, because um, his ex father in law has lost some steer. To mountain lions, uh, so he goes out hunting this deer, finds a body about six miles from anywhere in the middle of like three feet of snow. It's a woman he knows because you fucking know everybody in Wyoming, I guess. Sure, <laughs> seems believable. Um, she has signs of being murdered and raped, so he calls in an FBI agent. Uh, they send the closest one, which is Vegas, played by Elizabeth Olsen, who knocks it out of the park again. Awesome. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, and it's pretty much them trying to figure out what the fuck happened. Cool. Um, he does a good job about a good job with filming the red tape stuff. So one of the things is she died from the elements, mm-hmm. even though she obviously had been raped and, and been like brutalized in some way. Yeah, yeah, been assaulted. Yeah, and uh, one of the first scenes is the guy at the morgue saying, "Like I cut pit down, she was murdered. She wasn't murdered." And Elizabeth Olsen's like, the FBI's not going to send a team out here that needs to be out here unless you say she's murdered. And it's not boring. It's boring when I talk about it, but it's great on the on the screen. Um, and, yeah, the climax is fantastic. Who's the Punisher guy? What's his name? John Barenthal. Got a great cameo. Nice. Uh, he had a great cameo in Sicario, right? He was the guy who tried to rape her mm-hmm. in her little apartment in Sicario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think John Barenthal, and anyone who doesn't know the name, it's Shane from The Walking Dead. Right. Uh, Bar- he, I think he's a phenomenal actor. When he was in a Best Picture. Uh, he was in a Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. When he's, he, was, he was getting that. He's like, he, he's typecast, but it's perfect for him as like the grisly ex-military or like ex-cop. So, uh, you can delete this part. It's running on video. You probably got another 36 hours on it. He is his typecast is the perfect, awesome for this movie, uh, for cool. tons of weird reasons. Yeah, it's just great, and you don't see him for a, a while in the movie. But yeah, anyway, yeah, he's great in uh, in Wind River. I definitely recommend Wind River, and I'm way on your top ten with, with the writer now. Uh, yeah, anything he does was Taylor Sheridan. This is directorial debut too, by the way. He didn't direct Taylor High Water because that was a. Uh, the other guy. What other guy? I'll look it up. Well, he right. didn't direct Sicario because that was Denis Villeneuve. That was right. But I don't know who. Yeah, who directed Hard Water, Brent? You got the, the fancy computer. <laughs> the the computer. You got, you got the, mean, <laughs> the means of production. Uh, yeah, David McKenzie. I don't even, I never realized that. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So this is his first movie and it, it it's fantastic. So the next thing you see by by him, what's his name again? Brother? Taylor Sheridan. Taylor, Taylor Sheridan. Was he was an actor before, right? He was in Sons of Anarchy. 
apparently. Like, his character has a Wikipedia page. For for Sons of Anarchy, I, I know he you plays guys... the character David Hale in Sons of Anarchy. What was his nickname? He's like Chief a... David Hale. I gotta look up. I gotta look. Captain this America. Okay. So he it's not it's not his true directorial debut. Apparently, he directed a movie called Vile, which looks like just torture porn. Oh, I did hear that the sequel to Sicario is not being directed by Denis Villeneuve, but it's. It, is being directed by Taylor Sheridan. He is writing and directing. So, which is which is a good thing to hear as someone who loves Sicario and has it at my top between Hell or High Water, right? And it that he directs Wind River really well too. Yeah, I would definitely get on the Wind River tip though. It's it's great. <laughs> well, um, I mean, I will. Like, all it was released in 2017, so I'm yeah, I'm gonna watch right. it um, when I need to respite from all the shitty 2017 movies I watch. Dialogue's really good. Jeremy Renner's great. I've come around on him. I, would, I did not like him in the beginning of his career for whatever reason. Hmm. But he's good. And it reunites him and Elizabeth Olsen from Silver War. Was that the one they were in together? No, they were not in Silver War together. Yeah, they were. Age of Ultron. No, it's Silver War. They were, maybe they were, they were, they were <laughs> perhaps, but they're definitely both in Age of Ultron. Yeah. She is. I was making a joke because it sounded like you were saying Silver War. I know. I heard it. <laughs> dumb, dumb. Is that it for you? Maybe. Let me think about it. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm going to fly through mine. They've been watching all the new movies for you, so I've been catching up on older streaming movies. Mine also have a bit of a theme to them. There's a common bond between these movies. This sounds like it's going to get pigeonholed. Uh, 2000 movie called Bounce. You ever seen this movie? It's got Ben Affleck. Uh, damn it, I was going to guess that. <laughs> it's got Ben Affleck. Gwyneth Paltrow? Gwyneth Paltrow. Two stories, sliding doors. That's what I know from the cover. <laughs> No, that's Sliding Doors. That's that movie. Oh, uh, yeah. With Gwyneth Paltrow. And somebody else. Not Ben Affleck? I don't think so. You sure? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I um, think you should watch it. But, uh, Sam, it's got Ben Affleck. No, uh, Every movie should be forced to put its title on its cover. Yeah. Hell or High Water's just like fire in the river that's overflowing. <laughs> Sicario just just a Spanish guy going, ooh. <laughs> Bounce is uh, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's not that good. It was middling. It's it's fine. It's about uh, Ben Affleck trying to hook up with a woman. Well, it's not really about that, but because he's trying to hook up with a woman during like a layover at an airport, he uh, gives up his ticket on an outgoing flight. The flight crashes, and uh, <clears throat> afterwards he winds up in a lot of guilt and goes uh, becomes like an alcoholic, and he goes to rehab, and he's trying to make amends with people he wronged or he thought he wronged, and so he goes to check on the guy's family who died in the crash. Uh-huh. And uh, his widow is played by Gwyneth Paltrow. And so he just sort of falls in love with her. And then there are predictable things like he doesn't tell her his connection to her. And so there's that drama <clears throat> that unfolds. It, it unfolds in predictable ways, but the two of them are pretty uh, believably sincere characters. I would not recommend going out of your way to see Bounce, but if it's the type of movie, if it's just like a formulaic romance is the kind of movie that you like, then go for it. Then who played the you have to get really lucky the, to wind up on the movie Bounce. Who played the woman in the airport? Anybody you know? I'm just uh, curious. Uh, Natasha Henstridge? Oh, yep. That seems perfect cast. Um, I watched a 2002 film, The Sum of All Fears. Uh, Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan novel. Yeah, I really like that as far as a Tom Clancy adaptation goes. So it's it's good until after the bomb. Yeah, and then it's all it it stays realistic until that point because it's really just 
it does what Jack Ryan really does, and that's him being an analyst. He's right. not an mm-hmm. action character. Right. And so it does a good job staying away from that. And then after, it's just a series of him getting just like right under the the, the buzzer, sort of, so yeah. to speak. Like it's just him just in time to do this, and then just in time to do this. And it just becomes that cliched action mm. style of getting everything done just before it would have been irreversible. Who plays uh, Jack Ryan? Ben Affleck. Okay. You would know him from Goodwill Hunting. Um, and Bounce. Yeah, you might know him from the, the 2000 film Bounce. Uh, I liked uh, Liam Shriver's character in that movie for some reason. He I plays thought. John Clark, and yeah. that's uh, that had been played by um, Willem Dafoe in the yeah. clear and present name. The, like, super assassin kind of guy. Yeah, and I also really, I really liked the president's cabinet in that movie. I forget all the people who... The president is a... What's his name? iRobot and Babe? What's his name? James Cromwell. Yeah, that's right. But uh, good character actors as uh, like Bruce McGill and Philip Baker Hall and a couple other people that you would recognize were uh, were in this movie. It's really it, it's it's not great, but it's good. Uh, again, it's the type of thing that I would I would recommend if you like that sort of like espionage government action. government thriller. Yeah. I remember liking it when I saw it back in the day, but I don't remember a fucking beat of the story or They anything. set off a nuclear bomb in Baltimore. That's like the craziest thing. And they have like the halfway through the movie. Yeah. Is it in a football stadium? Yep. Yeah, I do remember it then. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh I watched a 2003 film called Paycheck. Oh. Paycheck. Uh, is this about the reverse engineering? Oh god. Yeah. Yes. Okay. One thing where they just should never pay him. They should never pay him. Why, why do they pay him? What would they pay him with? <laughs> a paycheck. Yeah. It's okay. apparently based on a Philip K. Dick short yeah. story. Yeah. I don't know if the short story is as dumb as this movie, <laughs> but I wouldn't want to read it if all I knew about it was this movie. This well, movie was awful. Well, it's really bad. what's the, what's the main character's name? It's got like a really plain name like John James. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Who plays him again? Uh, ben Affleck. Okay. Okay. Um, That's right. That rings a bell. It's got Uma Thurman. Uh, Aaron Eckert is a laughably bad performance as the villain, like the guy who won't give him his paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that really all he wants in this movie? His paycheck? I can't remember now. Yeah, so he. Up until a point. Right. Yeah. yeah he wakes he up. Two he wakes, paychecks. He wakes up. So it's about like. It's it's about like clearing people's me- his memory yeah. after. And so. He wakes up, they've cleared his memory, and they don't pay him. It's like $90 million or whatever he was supposed to get. John James. He, he just broke, and he's like, wait a minute, I shouldn't be broke. <laughs> well, no, he, he, he's, he's a reverse engineer. So he figures out that what? his memory was erased and that he was owed this money for creating this system that I think is the system used to reverse engineer things. That's, it, no, or, it predicts the future. It can like predict the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a like as a I mean, Phil, I've seen it. I've when you, when you hear about it, it's like oh that would make a good short story by Philip K. Dick. But then when you say like Ben Affleck is going to play the lead, um, which I was going to do movie guy voice and say John James wants his paycheck until he wants payback. <laughs> it's really bad, really really bad. Yeah, uh, two thousand four movie called Jersey Girl. <laughs> uh, quick question: Yeah, who plays the girl in it? Uh, ben Affleck. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Starring Will Smith as himself. What? Yeah. Why are you on this? 
Because I bought him a book. It's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> what book did you buy him? Ben how did make? How did it just the Ben Affleck book? It's just called Ben Affleck. It's a list of Tiger Beat produced of like Hollywood uh, elite in alphabetical order by last name. So <laughs> the first one was Affleck, and he the first one he picked was yeah <laughs> okay. Um, no, I just thought it would be. You skipped John Ardvark. He's a big. Uh, he's a big movie star. There are a bunch of movies as I never saw over the years, so yeah. I just wanted to. Um, and now, how do you feel? Uh, I'm, Jersey Girl is pretty good. I'm glad. I'll I let you talk about Jersey Girl. I really liked Jersey Girl. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was going to be awful. I didn't know much about it. Never seen it before. And I think because of its very close ties to Gili. Yeah. That I. Liv Tyler, J Lo. And I thought it was going to be awful. And I really enjoyed it. It's a very sweet movie. Girl's good. George Carlin's great. That little girl is amazing. Yeah, she's great. She's really good. Yeah, Liv Tyler was good. Ben Affleck's good. Yeah, it's it's it's. Will cameo is good. It's one of my favorite. Is he cameo as Hitch movies. I think it's the only movie where Will Smith plays himself. Mm, yeah. Stuck with Kevin Smith and rewatched Clerks two, which um, I. Moments, but it's I, I remembered liking it a whole lot more than I did this time, yeah. which goes, which I think is the case for a lot of Kevin Smith movies. But I still liked it, okay, but just, just okay. It had moments that took it so far down for it me. It had more heart. Dark donkey show. Yeah. I thought it had more heart than the original did, and I think I'll, I think it's all it Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Yeah, she's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, there also, also in the Lego Batman movie got like ruined for people. Talking about the, like Lord of the Rings versus whatever, yeah. like I feel like every kid in Athens, Georgia, talked about that every day for yeah. four years. And then he uh, Ben Affleck was also in a movie the same year called Man About Town that went straight to DVD. Oh uh, yeah, I saw, saw this on Letterboxd. For a, it made me very, a very good reason. I don't. So you, you laughed at my review on Letterboxd. I, I just laughed that you watched that fucking movie. But <laughs> well, while we're on the topic of Letterboxd and to refuse the urge to move past Clerks too. It looked like you have Clerks 2 three and a half stars. Three. Three even. Oof. That was a little better than average. I mean, I'm not going to tell you how to rate movies, but... You're doing it wrong. <laughs> I feel like you want to And if you say that you like Clerks... Was it you who just said it? Or TJ, that you like Clerks 2 better than Clerks? No, I or thought... You had, had more heart. It, it doesn't mean you liked it better. It had more heart, yeah. It had... The, the comedy was worse, and the... The... Heart was better. The heart was better. I, yeah. I know I've talked to Brent about this before. I don't like the Dante character. I can't. I don't like that character at all. But I love the Randall character. And he's oh, definitely not. Randall's fun. I like Randall. Ran, Ran, Randall's, Randall's so fun in Clerks 1. I, I agree with you. I don't like the Dante character. I think he is has no it's redeeming so cool. qualities. He's misogynist, like self-effacing, just like mule of a fucking like showpiece. He's and he's still a little bit that way in Clerks 2, but I think he's I think he's better in Clerks 2. Alright. I fucking hated Clerks 2. I thought the Clerks 2 was the equivalent of a fart joke to like George Carlin. And I just I just can't get on board with Clerks 2. It's Kevin Smith like answering like the most rabid fans and just humoring them for the sake of cashing the like pittance of a thousand dollar paycheck that they got from releasing that fucking movie. I can definitely see that. <laughs> Clerks 2 is dog shit. Uh, <laughs> Red State, the next movie, is phenomenal. I've never seen it. I'll check Kevin it Smith finally hits a solid note after 
I love Dogma. I think Dogma's great for reasons unrelated to the you're acting. You're not big on Dogma, right? Hmm? You're, are you not big on Dogma? Somebody, and maybe it's David. Oh, it's fine. It's uh, it's not streaming anywhere, so I haven't yeah. I haven't caught it in years. Right. But well, we, look, we look forward to your review of it on your crusade through Ben Affleck's acting career. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm probably the biggest Kevin Smith fan of the four of us, and I just never got into the clerks. More than David and I, for sure. We're yeah. probably the lowest on the Kevin Smith fanboy train. Me and Brett are pretty similar. We both love Chase and Amy. Yes. Right? I might be higher than you in general, so I may be the biggest Kevin Maybe. Smith fan of the group, but I'm... Do not qualify really as a as a strong strong Kevin Smith. Fan. Yeah, I've just seen all of his movies. You you should you should see Red State whenever it pops I, up anywhere. Red State was was brilliant, really really good. A a surprising turn of form uh, for Kevin Smith. Um, unfortunately, marred by the theatrics of him selling it to himself for a dollar after Sundance. But that not was that doesn't make a movie good or bad. Um, and so, Red State's really good. Yeah. One last movie that I saw was. Brand new movie, hot off the presses, Justice League. Oh, which, nice. Which I have been calling Justice Squad for three days without realizing it. But <laughs> I totally forgot. Who plays Batman? Um, <laughs> ben Affleck. Yeah, Ben Affleck. Uh, it's just funny. It's the only it, reason I go to the theater anymore. <laughs> it's funny because it feels like it was building up to you watching Justice League, Justice League well, but part, it's totally irrelevant. Actually, no, part of the reason I resumed my Affleck fun is uh, is because of Justice League coming out. It's called an afflection. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My afflection came back. I like that. Um, it flared up. Justice League is... Uh, I have two, two quick things to say about it. I'm going to write a review for the website, so we'll get that up too. But Justice League is, I think, the second best of the Snyder DC era films. Nice. And it is... Just stupid as fuck. Oh, okay. <laughs> the dialogue is laughably bad. There are character choices that don't make sense. There are a few good things about the movie if you're thinking about going to see it. Uh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman is great. Uh, Gal Gadot is um, not quite as good as Wonder Woman, but I think that has more to do with the direction and the story. Yeah. And but she is still very enjoyable as Wonder Woman, and then uh, Ezra Miller is solid as the Flash. Uh, and then Ben Affleck, I think, is uh, he. I feel like he always just turns in like a solid B minus, solid B performance in most things. He just, t- he just <laughs> picks a lot of bad movies. That's yeah. the problem. It's not his performance as much as his the choices he makes before he the camera's rolling. I'm I'm gonna stand atop my ivory tower, but I know that it's made of talc. But. <laughs> You saying that you like you're you're making it kind of a mission to see Ben Affleck movies, and then saying his consistent B minus performances is something that I'm going to laugh at every time. But I know that like I'm watching 2017 movies, um, and lots of them are dog shit. <laughs> so I think there, I think there's parody here. I'm trying to yeah. extend the olive branch and say, Brent, I'm going to make fun of you for for Ben Affleck movies. And I expect the same for my shit in 2017. Well, the thing is, I think I'm about to the turning point. I think I am. I have reached the renaissance, <laughs> which right. I think begins with the. This uh, has been talky talk. <laughs> it begins with uh, the Superman movie, the uh, Hollywood Land. Sort of begins the redemption uh, of Ben Affleck, I think, and where his movies start getting better. He's not making like four a year. And right. He, there are no more like romantic comedies or formulaic yeah. stuff. 
Yeah. I think this is where he... I'm almost to the point where he's into directing, and he's doing, like, uh, uh, Gone Baby Gone's around the corner, yeah. I think. So, I'm excited now. These are... I've... I feel like I've put you got, in, I've put in the work, and now I get to enjoy some movies. Yeah, at least until Batman v Superman. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean yeah, that's it. Some, sometimes you just need a payday so that doesn't you, require that much work. At this point, let's uh, I'd say just skip. Let's skip uh, reality for a week, and except we need to talk about Survivor a little bit because someone else was eliminated. <laughs> because we eliminated game. another person in our game. Was it David? Two shows in. Oh. <laughs> Two weeks, two eliminations, and also uh, I, t- I t- messaged TJ, and I hate this word, but uh, two weeks in a row that whatever game I was playing with Survivor, I just get straight cucked at Tribal Council, <laughs> where like they could have gotten rid of Jeff, they could have just done it. It made no sense. I didn't get it. Well, well right, they should keep Joe around. The only thing that it I was to me, yeah. T- when TJ and I were talking about, he was like, "You want Joe in a final three because everyone's gonna fucking nobody hate. is voting for him." If he makes it to the final three, the healers might vote for him. They but hate him. The the goal is to get all the healers, which by the way, they're not even setting up tribal council yet, which is weird to me. So it's going to be like a shorthanded tribal they council. Just, they just started. They didn't announce that yeah, jury. Desi is going to be on the. Yeah, jury. Jeff said Je- Desi's the, the first, first member of the jury. He did. I didn't even hear him say that. Yeah. Okay, but Jessica Ali isn't. I mean, not you know, it seems that way with Joe. I just <laughs> think Brad, man, he's way more hated than Brad. Yeah, but I just I wouldn't let you want Troy Zans there. You don't want you don't want Brad's. You want a uh, you don't want Desi though. Desi's way better than Joe. She's not a Troy Zan. Is my point. You didn't vote out a Troy Zan to save Joe. You're not thinking about final three. I I think it's wrong to think about final three right now and think about like who do I want in final three? Joe versus Desi. I think the problem. I think it's more like who's going to be more of a of a roadblock to me getting to the final three. And I think Joe, with his idle play and his, I think his havoc that Joe creates is more of a problem than Desi getting you there. No, no, well, I think Desi could have won the game. What I think possibly, you get her out later. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Well, you could say the same thing about Joe. You say that about anybody. Yeah, but Joe could screw up your game the next the next week really badly. And he's more likely than Desi to do that. I don't think so. I mean, He's upended one boat so far this year with idle, with an idle. Yeah, and he fucked one up real bad too. Yeah, so yeah. he's not a perfect player or anything. Yeah, but you just don't have to worry about. He also he hasn't known two weeks way. in a row. He hasn't known what the fuck's happened. So I don't think he's like a red face girl. Player. Yeah, he uh, had that play. Everybody like still did. remembers that, yeah. but he fucked up last week. He fucked up this week. I think it's a good idea to get up the people who are playing too hard right now. I wonder if so. Lauren went up, mm-hmm. played her advantage. Mm-hmm. So her advantage, listeners, is that she can opt out of one vote, which she did this week, and she gets to save that parchment for a future travel council. Right. And she gets to vote twice. Which, before so, you get to your point, did you notice Joe doing the math in his head and realizing that someone didn't vote? Yeah, I think I saw... I think that's... They have to know. A couple people were confused. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, like, Ben knew. Because she told Ben, but... It'll come up, I bet. Yeah. But anyway... I wonder how she knew not to just... Because I just would have taken the second parchment, the tiebreaker, or voted. Or I definitely would have been like, I need to throw this off the back end. Like, I wonder if somebody told her. I think the producers probably told her. What to do in the revote? Yeah. 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 They had to have. Yeah. Because I would have voted. I would have been like, She well, probably just went up and they were like, just tear it off and hand it to us. But she just like, 
dumped it off the end. Really convincingly. Okay, that wraps Survivor Talk. Yeah, reality roundups. Good Crazy go. on the streets. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the quick the quick beat. I know I said it last week for the challenge. Uh, third place was revealed, um, but the next two we have to wait for the second part yeah. of the live reunion. But in third place, sadly, is CT and Tori, um, fan favorites to win. Okay, that sucks. But anyway. Um, I've got a little bit of breezy. I know y'all might have some too. Mine is involving uh, number nine, Quentin Tarantino's working title for his next movie. Have y'all read about this at all? Mm-mm. Just that uh, it, he's shopping it around to studios and that he apparently wants Tom Cruise to be involved in a story about Charles Manson. Backing story is 1969, Charles Manson murders. Uh, he wants Cruise. He's already in talks with Mario Robbie, DiCaprio, and Brad Pitt. And Sony is going to produce it. Okay. Because. You mean Weinstein? The first eight it? movies yeah, were produced yeah. by Harvey Weinstein. So Tarantino quickly moved on from that and Sony snatched it up because why wouldn't you? Yeah. A movie will get nominated for a writing Oscar at the minimum. Yeah. So, yeah, that's news. It'd be interesting to see Tom Cruise in that, though. Apparently, Tarantino really wants him for a hmm. particular role. Uh, I saw their uh, CBS is developing a TV series, Stripes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because shared that, didn't you? The, the TV no, I thought Brent did. Brent did. Said, said that they are waiting for us to nominate into our Oh, that's right. Game. That's right. That's right. Um, so, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. I, I think not much I, to say about it. I think I need to dump some breeze in here. Also, not much to say about it. Um, way more mired in the political world than anything else. But former SNL alum, Al Franken, the next um, accused of sexual harassment. Yeah. Um. Seems like he did it. <laughs> not not much accusing going on. Yeah. I don't know, man. Just power be fucking with people, I guess. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it is changing. Uh, Amazon has uh, apparently greenlit Lord of the Rings TV series. Uh, I'm yeah. excited about that. Yeah. It's a different story that's Non-tol- not about carrying the ring to Mount Doom. Tolkien's universe, but non-Tolkien characters. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, TJ and I were, were talking on the ride to uh, something on Tuesday that the best bits of Star Wars are... Pod racing! <laughs> Actually, no. We talked about it, and then I heard it on a podcast. They were talking about games related to Star Wars. But the best Star Wars games have nothing to do with the original Star Wars series. Uh, right. Um, you know, Shadow of the Empire, Rogue One, uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Like, all the games you'll find at the top three of best Star Wars games of all time, or a top five, are all unrelated to the Luke and Leia, Darth Vader, Darth Maul bullshit. Yeah. So, I'm excited about Amazon series about it. You say Amazon? Yeah, Lord yeah. of the Rings, Amazon, yeah. Yeah. About Lord of the Rings. Any other breezies? I got two quick beats. Um, I can't be the games guy and not talk about the EA kerfuffle that's going on. Over Battlefront? Over Battlefront 2. Yeah. Um, for people who are unfamiliar with it, um, EA, like any large corporation who is trying to um, make a bunch of money, um, has introduced some uh, in-game microtransactions uh, that are... Um, wildly nefarious um, to the point where uh, you don't get rewarded for your play to unlock heroes like Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker based on your performance. It's based on the time you spend. Also, the amount of currency that you get to unlock those heroes is limited by the 
Um, you have a, a daily limit to the number of hours that you can spend that are um, that you can earn those credits. So you're capped at the time, um, and also um, the amount of credits you needed to unlock these heroes was the equivalent to working 80 hours a week for a year without their like challenges built in. So if you just use the regular pace of playing multiplayer matches, you would have to work 80 hours a week, seven days a week to unlock Darth Vader. This is insane. Yeah. Weird. They've walked it back since then. Um, you know, EA's <laughs> stock price is plummeting. Um, the fan outrage is phenomenal. The most downvoted comment in Reddit history is now EA community managers trying to respond to the fan, fan outcry about this. Um, they've since t- taken out the um, the part that people were most mad about was that you could spend that 4,580 hours um, unlocking the credits naturally or you could spend um, $2,100 to unlock everything in the game or the equivalent of like $20 to unlock Darth Vader. Um, so they have since taken out those transactions, the ability to buy crystals, which unlock heroes. Um, so it sounds like they're listening, but they have, and the reason why this is news um, is they said that they have removed microtransactions and they will analyze when they can reintroduce the fast track pay option. Uh, later on in the game's life cycle. Um, Long story short, um, huge company tries to make more money off of people who've already spent money on a thing. Um, The people who bought that thing say, no, we're not spending more money, and the company decides to put on a temporary sale for it. And so we're going to wait and see how they close out this thing, but I don't think people are going to be playing Battlefront 2 for very long. For long enough for them to reintroduce it. Yeah, I've held off on getting it for that reason. Me too. I mean, because, and it was, I was a big fan of Battlefront 1, mm-hmm. and I was like, Brent, you should play it at Star Wars. It's cool. It's Star Wars. It's cool. And you're not a big online multiplayer guy. Right, but I eventually got it and play occasionally, and it's, it's fun. I'm not very good at it, but yeah. it's fun. So Battlefront 2 has a single player campaign. Yeah. So it's like, it's the perfect thing that, like, if, like, if you got it before any of this was unearthed, I would have probably bought it for 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 price just to be like, I can hop on there, play some rounds with Brent, and, you know, actually online game with one of my friends, since mm-hmm. none of my friends actually play video games, much less online. Um, and, yeah, this is just such a fucking sour net that huh. um, I'm avoiding it. Um, and the other piece of news, and the exciting piece of news... Um, the transmedia news, uh, Super Mario. You guys ready for another Super Mario movie? Da, 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 da. Yes. What if I told you it was by the developers or the studio who made Hop? The Easter Bunny movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I never saw it. What about if I told you that that same those same people made the Despicable Me series? Oh, that's good. Yeah. All right. So there are talks between Nintendo and it's Illumination Entertainment is the studio yeah. um, to create uh, a um, animated Mario movie. Can't wait till we get rabbits and <laughs> minions on screen together. <laughs> nice. But anyway, that's what I've got for news. Any other breezies? No, I'm good. David's right. David's the breezy master. 
Yeah, which Dave is, is the podcast master. It always feels like a slog when he's not here. I feel like I feel like we've been here for three hours. I feel like I'm adultering when David's not here when we record a podcast. Uh, anything else there? Anybody want to touch on? Yeah, we should probably talk about what's coming out next weekend. Uh, yeah. I'm pulling it up, and I'll, I'll read read the listo. We have The Man Who Invented Christmas. Uh, it's getting good reviews. Yeah. Dan Stevens has starred in like fucking like <laughs> ten movies this yeah, year. Yeah, he is. Uh, but it is a uh, Dickensian Christmas story tale. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> versus... Uh, Coco. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Coco all the way for this guy. Yeah, I'm going with Coco. <clears throat> yeah. I've uh, seen four movies that Dan Stevens has starred in this that was released in 2017. I don't need a fifth. The Denzel Washington movie, Roman J. Israel Esquire, is expanding to wide release also. He cool. was getting an early Oscar love, but it's getting bad reviews now, the movie is. And the- there's a limited release of something called Little Bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Little or Little? Little, oh, I'm between I'm between Coco and Little Bitches. Yeah, go see Coco. It's gonna be great. I promise. Yeah. The next next Pixar animated film. I mean, at worst, it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, worst case, movie. worst case scenario, it's like on par with good dinosaur yeah. or like Cars, Cars two. two. Yeah. Which Cars two is a fine fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah so go see Coco or Little Bitches. <laughs> I don't know. Roman J. Israel looks like it's gonna be entertaining. Yeah. He plays a caustic attorney. Yeah. And if you live in New York and you're listening to this, Darkest Tower is out next weekend. Oh, nice. So. Oh, is that the sequel to The Dark Tower? Yep. The Darkest Tower? <laughs> it's going to be better. <laughs> I really hope they get confused and nominate uh, Darkest uh, Dark Tower <laughs> instead of Darkest Tower for uh, some awards. But yeah, that's Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman was an Oscar for a movie he's not even in. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. All right, we should rock, paper, scissors for who loses to have to take us out. <laughs> this has been Talkie Talk, the podcast with MediaBias.com. Uh, I'd like to say a special thanks to the people who do our intro music, the Willow Walkers. The thank Walkers. you so much. And I'd like to say thank you to our outro music, Boo Rifa. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at media by, at the Media Bias. You can find us on Gmail at the Media Bias at gmail.com. You can see all the reviews and fun stuff we're putting up on our website at themediabias.com. But, uh, yeah, so today we've been joined by TJ. Thanks, TJ. Bye. And uh, Brent. Thanks, Bye. Brent. Bye. And uh, thanks to me. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town, slow folks, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know. All the things.